And he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, last Sunday we celebrated the Feast of the Holy Family. And this Sunday we return to a marriage. This is a marriage actually in progress. The nuptials of the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph were now years in the past. And we know that St. Joseph had, had died by the time the Blessed Mother and her son, our Lord Jesus Christ, went to the wedding feast of Cana to celebrate the nuptials of this young couple whose wedding has become immortalized in the Gospels. Now, this event commemorated today is the third of the epiphanies. We have the first manifestation, as it were, of our Lord's glory and his identity as the Son of Man and the Son of God. When the kings came seeking him, first in the palace in Jerusalem, and then at the manger. You can see how these three epiphanies were turning points in the life of our Lord. We see the turning point here not only with the adoration of the Magi, but what followed upon that adoration, the slaughter of the babies in Bethlehem. And we see the second turning point, epiphany, of our Lord when as a man he stood As a grown man, he stood at the banks of the Jordan River and was pointed out by St. John the Baptist as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And there our Lord was baptized by John the Baptist in the waters of the Jordan when the heavens opened and the Father spoke and the Holy Ghost came down upon our Lord visibly. That was a manifestation also of our Lord and his identity as God and man, as the Savior. We see the turning point here when the disciples of John turn to our Lord, rather, and and begin to follow him. And our Lord becomes that teacher of his disciples. And then we come to today and we see a third epiphany or a manifestation of the power and the glory of our Lord in the miracle today at the wedding feast. And this, too, is a great turning point in the life of our Lord on earth. We see that this miracle was done at the request of Mary, our Blessed Mother, our Lord's Blessed Mother. And our Lord made it very clear from the words of the Gospel that this miracle would not have been done at that time in this way had it not been for the request of the Blessed Mother personally. It was Our Lady's request that brought this miracle to be. And it actually set our Lord on the path to Calvary. It began his public life, this first public miracle of his, which concludes with the statement that our Lord manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. And so we see all three of these manifestations of our Lord's identity were turning points for him in his own life here on earth. But, you know, we see how the wedding, the marriage, the feast became a constant theme in the parables of our Lord now. Not only did his public life begin at the wedding feast, but that became a theme to which he returned over and over again in his parables to describe what he was establishing here on earth 
a kind of wedding, a marriage between God and man, between God as the creator and the redeemer and the souls of mankind. That there is a union which is a union of love and held together by a bond of love, as we see in the Holy Family. Now, this reminds us today of how important the married vocation really is. It was a constant theme of our Lord's life, as I say, as our Lord's preaching, his parables. And in the Acts of the Apostles, we see the apostles go out to seek that, the, the souls to come to that wedding feast. And in the last book of the Bible, the book of the Apocalypse, sometimes called the book of Revelation today, in that book of the Apocalypse, again, we see that concluding with a heavenly Jerusalem, which is the kingdom of heaven with its saints, coming adorned as a bride for her husband. Now, this theme is very important to us today because the married life is so important, and yet it is under attack, and it is under attack because it is so important. In fact, I would say the married life is not only the most difficult and the most targeted but the most important vocation today. And that might surprise people because, you know, the church has always taught that the consecrated life of the priest and the religious, that that vocation is the most sublime and the highest and most perfect vocation. And that is still true. But nonetheless, we must remember lessons that we learned. Even from the 1800s, we have testimony to the importance of the married life when Don Bosco, St. John Bosco himself, uh, came to give his first blessing to his mother after his ordination, she knelt to kiss his hand, but in rising, she showed him her wedding ring and said, your hands would not have been, would not have been consecrated to God as a priest were it not for this hand wearing this ring. And she made that point to him that it was her and her marriage, her her wedding vows, that brought him into life and actually was responsible to a great extent for his vocation to the priesthood. And that reminds us that all vocations will come from families. Every man is born of another. Everyone must be born of man in this world. And so we receive our lives and very often within the family context, our own vocations come to be and to blossom there. Without the family life, there would be no vocations. That is the thought. That is the thought of the enemies of the church, the Masons. That is why we find written in the Masonic literature of the 1800s, the idea that we have to destroy the traditional family. We have to destroy the traditional family because that's where the vocations come from. That's where the priests come from. That's where the religious come from, from these traditional Catholic families. We have to destroy them. That was the message of the Masons, even in the 1800s. So we shouldn't be surprised that the married life was targeted and continues to be targeted today. Francis himself in the Vatican is one of those who has specially targeted the married life for destruction, not only by all the annulments that the Novus Ordo gives out, that is a big part of it, of course, but Francis in particular has focused on the married life as a, as a kind of target for his changes. You know, the synods that he's called, 
The synods were about the family, about youth, and soon he's going to call a conclave, a, a, some kind of a, a meeting in, uh, in Rome to consider the global pact on education in which he wants the godless nations of the world to take control of the education of children to create what he calls a new humanism. This will be a kind of godless humanism or a humanism that will put man in the center of God, in the place of God. And this is not surprising to see Francis doing this because he's following through on his, what he calls his apostolic exhortations, Amoris Laetitia, when he undermined the sanctity of married life by saying that adultery could be okay. In fact, it might be the best alternative for those who are living it, open adultery. And yes, it could be that they're in the state of grace, even living in open adultery, and should be given Holy Communion. He suggested these ideas and, and then consecrated them later when he said that this teaching was magisterium. And in Laudato Si, another of his apostolic exhortations, he exalts earth as our mother, our mother. He doesn't call her the goddess, but when he had the synod on the Amazon, he had the mother earth goddess, as you know, uh, Pachamama, is symbols of this, of this demon goddess, the Amazon, brought into St. Peter's Basilica itself and enthroned <coughs> at his conference for the synod. At the days of the synod, this idol was sitting right in front of him in view of all of those who were there to liberate at this Amazon synod and was enthroned uh, triumphantly in the church Santa Maria in Transmartina where it was actually held up and prayed to. And so this is the kind of thing that is going on there. Again, the idea of a Mother Earth goddess it definitely is an attack on the whole idea of motherhood and therefore an attack on the family itself. We, we wonder, well, we don't really have to wonder too much because we know that a man, a godless man, a man who actually has a hatred for God as we know him and love him, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ has a hatred for him. George Soros is behind much of this and funding much of these efforts of Francis in the Vatican today. So when we say that the family is being targeted, we're, we're saying what is a really a truism. It is very clearly that the family is in fact being targeted for death, but for the sake of destroying vocations, for the sake of destroying the priesthood, for the sake of wiping out the sacraments, for the sake of attacking the church, and ultimately for the sake of attacking our Lord himself. Now, what this means is, in the world today, it is very difficult to live the family life. You know, in, in the old days, I would say, again, back in the 1800s and before, people didn't have many illusions when they got married. They knew it was going to be difficult. They understood that. Many of the marriages were arranged for them, especially among the nobility. <coughs> So they, they knew that marriage was, in fact, a vocation, and therefore a life of service, and therefore a life of sacrifice. And they, they rejoiced at the wedding feast, but they were, no, uh, they were not surprised by what followed next, and that was a life of, of work and labor and sacrifice, and uh, sanctification through work and sacrifice. But nowadays, when people get married, they have all kinds of illusions about uh, fairy tales, and living in castles and everything is just wonderful. 
and for better and for richer and in health will be their lot rather than for the for for the worse and for the poorer and for the sickness that doesn't seem to, in their minds to apply to them until it does of course and then they act as though something went wrong and as though they've somehow been cheated and they have a right to these things and so they're not required to live up to their marriage vows anymore but this is the illusion the modern day illusion of the fairy tale that marriage is not a vocation it is not for the service of god it is not for the service of giving life it is rather for the service of oneself to make oneself happy that is the illusion of the modern day marriage and that is why it is shaky from the very beginning and that is why when it gets difficult people find a hard time dealing with it and they become like the snowflakes we talked about on the college campuses uh doing nothing but complaining and uh finding excuses why they would not be good husbands and wives mothers and fathers or children in the family but that is their vocation to be the best husband to be the best father a man can be to be the best wife the best mother a woman can be to be the best sons and daughters the children can be that is all their vocation in the family life it is meant to be if it is lived properly and correctly and catholically like a little bit of the communion of saints on earth the beginning of being part of the communion of saints on earth even though we're all flawed and you might say that in sense in sense all all families are dysfunctional because all marriages are dysfunctional because we are all dysfunctional that's what we call original sin but we know that we shouldn't be surprised to find that but we do find in the married life we do find grace the grace of god and that grace of god helps us to overcome the ravages of original sin and so at least in families we should find everyone trying trying to overcome original sin trying to overcome selfishness and anger and laziness trying to overcome these by the grace of god and so often succeeding in in overcoming them and living the life of grace that's what the family should be and but it's very difficult it is it is a very difficult undertaking and made all the more difficult because it is targeted by the forces of hell literally right now for destruction because they know that if they can get to the the church through the family that that is the way they can they can get the poison that they think and they hope the enemies of god the enemies of christ the enemies of the church think that they can deal the death blow by poisoning her through by poisoning the families and so parents have a very difficult job today and we have to admire those who strive so hard to be good parents to be good husbands and wives and to live up to their faith in their marriages now all of this points to the importance of the marriage vows because if marriage were not so important if it were not so pivotal if it were not so crucial it would not be targeted and uh the powers of heaven and the powers of hell understand that very well the pivotal nature of the married life which is why our lord made that a central theme of his whole public life of teaching what we need to do is realize that the married life for catholics is the wellspring not only of all life all human life it is also the wellspring of all supernatural life in the sense that god and the parents cooperate in bringing a new life into the world not just the life of a gerbil or a butterfly but the life of a human being created in god's image by nature 
by the soul, that God creates the soul. When we demand it of him, he creates a new soul, and like a new world of decisions, capable of knowing and loving him and being happy with him forever in heaven, capable of serving him well here. And this is a wonderful creation. We demand from God the creation of a new soul, sometimes even the most sinful circumstances. We fling in the face of God, and yet when we conceive a child, we demand of him, and he grants that grace of a new soul, a new human being, for which he will not only have to invest his created power, but in which he will also have to invest his redemptive power of suffering for the sins for the sins of that soul. And our Lord does this day after day after day, fulfilling that gift that he gave to our first parents, Adam and Eve, when he said to them, increase, multiply, and fill the earth, and gave them this power. It is to be used in the context of a family, in the context of marriage vows which binds a man and a woman, the marriage vows which bind a man and a woman together so intimately, so lovingly for life, that they can truly be a solid foundation for the school of the soul, the school of the souls of their children, not only in living a life and a prosperous life here on earth, but ultimately knowing their God, knowing their creator, knowing their redeemer, loving him, and ultimately rejoicing with him in eternal life, everlasting life in heaven. This is the great vocation of the married. So may God bless you all and strengthen you all and protect you all and give you a great love for him. And may that love for him animate your love for each other, for your spouses and your children here on this earth. May God bless you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen.